Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Castle Rock. <gasps> Today we'll be covering the first episode from season two of Castle Rock titled Let the River Run. And no one can see me except for Sean, but I'm doing a little happy dance. <laughs> Excited uh, to be was, yeah, this was talking about it. <laughs> so exciting to kick this on. And it was uh, just a really good episode. I think it, uh, it had my attention from the get go. Uh, I thought yeah. they've really cued this up really well. Um, I like that it's just its own thing too, but there's so much mm-hmm. to talk about with this. I'm really excited. I know. I'm really excited too. I, I thought it was a great, really strong start to season two. Um, you know, Annie Wilkes is such a great character in the Stephen King universe that I think that was a really great decision. Um, and you could, you could have only before, you know, the show premiered, you know, just crossed your fingers that they would do it well. And I think so far they're, they're doing pretty good. So I'm, I'm excited to really talk about this episode and get started. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our top five. Um, I'll get it started this week because I'm pushy that way and <laughs> start off with my number five. <laughs> Sean's a gentleman and just always lets me go first. What can I say? That's, um, yep, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works. Um, so my number five, I just, because we're talking about the show and Annie Wilkes and what a strong start um, that I feel that they have so far with season two. And I feel like a lot of that has to do with the casting. So that's where I want to just kind of start off because I feel like, you know, they, they've really done a really good job casting this year. I think they had some really great strong casting last year, too, with, with a couple of key roles. I think they've carried that over this year. We've got Tim Robbins yeah. as uh, Pop Merrill. And just I, – I can't even just express um, my love for Tim Robbins, especially because as, as – all this, you know, if you're a Stephen King fan and you're a fan of, you know, the movies and stuff, one of the the most well done um, adaptations was Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. And of course, Tim Robbins being in that starring role. And he just forever won me over um, in that role. And Shawshank is a movie that like, if it's on TV, it's one of those that, you know, when you're flipping through the channels and it's on, well, you just have to stop, yeah. right? You just, nothing else is on, nothing else exists. You're going to sit and watch the rest of Shawshank wherever it's at, right? The other one for me with him is Bull Durham. That's another movie. If it kicks on, <sighs> yeah. I have to watch it. Like Susan Sarandon's in that. <sighs> Yeah. Like back in the heyday. Oh, I love that. Yeah, movie. she was pretty. Her. Yeah. Yeah, base. Oh, ba- it's such a great baseball oh, movie, yeah. isn't oh, it? Yeah. I love Bull Durham and I love baseball. So, yeah. And Kevin Costner, he's yep. not hurting. No, he's not yeah, hurting either. Those, so, yeah. I might have been late 80s when that came out. I'm not sure. But, yeah, he's he's Gosh. in Dances with yeah. Little Shape. Like 88, 89, was it? Oh, God, I'm aging myself. But, yeah, great baseball movie. Tim Robbins is really great in it kind of plays a little bit of a different character than what um, he normally does. Um, But yeah, he's great. I mean, he just totally won me over in Shawshank. So how perfect to have him, you know, who's, who's played a a beloved Stephen King character in the universe. And then also um, to bring him over uh, into Castle Rock season two, we had Sissy Spacek last, last season. And of course she's famous. uh, Well, I mean, she's famous for many, many roles because she's a, a, a wonderful actress, but um pretty well known for her role in Carrie, the original Carrie um, that we know so well. Um, So she was in that last season. What a wonderful role for her. She was so wonderful. Um, And then to carry that over with Tim Robbins, he, you know, they kind of switched that up a little bit. So, um, and then Lizzie Kaplan, I'm, I'm a fan of Lizzie Kaplan. I I won't admit to ever, you know, that I've seen everything that she's done, but I have enjoyed her in several things. And of course the first thing that I ever saw her in was Mean Girls. (laughs) Totally love her in Mean Girls and thought she was fantastic. I've seen some other things that she's been in. And I think she does a really great job of really kind of taking on the characteristics of of, of a character and really kind of getting into their head. And, and she just kind of, it's almost like that's not Lizzie Kaplan. That's whatever character that she is portraying. And I'm really impressed with her so far. This first episode, definitely, for sure. I mean, for real, right? When you first see her, um, you know, on the screen as as, uh, Annie Wilkes, um, that's got to be pretty intimidating for her, right? I mean, Annie Wilkes and Kathy Bates in Misery 
how do you even begin to like try to get your head around that and, and, and try to, you know, put as much into that as like what Kathy Bates did. And I think that she really captured the role. Um, and it's, you know, she's off to a really great start, but I feel like she's also, while you can definitely see kind of how we remember Kathy Bates being on screen as Annie Wilkes, you can see how she's bringing that into the role. So, sort of like for me anyway, like how she moves, mm-hmm. um, the way that she speaks and things like that. Some of her verbiage, like we got to hear Dirty Bird. You know, she, <laughs> she said that a couple of times. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's great. Um, but she's also kind of making it her own. Right. Like she's kind of making Annie Wilkes like her own character, too. So I feel like she's bringing a little bit of her own um, edge to that. So I want to I want to get your thoughts on what you think so far about the casting. And, and if I've left anyone out, there's a lot of great, um, I think, some like unknowns that I'm not as familiar with in, in their other roles. But I think everyone has done a great job. But those two really stand out. And those are the two that I was most excited about. So I'm curious what you think um, about the casting or or anyone else. Yeah, I think the casting of her daughter, uh, Eliza Fisher, has been really good in this. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, Lizzie Chaplin so far has been the one to steal the show for me. Because anything I've seen her in, she's played more not – not just kind of more of like a, a party girl, kind of like college age, you know, kind of carefree. Um, and this is a completely different character. Like this is a very uptight, you know, very, uh, you know, two faced in a sense. Like she's trying to hide this. Uh, it's not drug addiction, but uh, I guess, you know, more of a, a mental psychological issue she has. She's trying to hide it and she's yep. obviously trying to hide something else. We see that there's some type of event she's that happened in some, her past. Yeah, she's got secrets. <laughs> But yeah, you take a character like this that you know has, has been a Mean Girls, Cloverfield, uh, True Blood. You know, a lot of these shows that you know doesn't have this kind of spice to it, and she's taken this, made it her own. And you know, it's not like you see you know this character and you think like, oh yeah, this is a you know a very like go getter kind of fun character. It's like, oh, this character has issues, like you know, from the haircut, the walk, the way she talks, the way she flips back and forth. Um, you know, even, yes. You know, I thought the the scene where. You know, she starts really getting worked up with her daughter, and her daughter kind of stands up, is like, you know, hey, are you like, what's wrong? Are you okay? And she rushes to her room, almost like a child who got in trouble. Yes, and goes into like a book on tape type thing, and like that scene was pretty powerful because you know you kind of understand the dynamic here is like, okay, it is mother and daughter to an extent, but Joy has kind of a lot of uh, not work, but a lot of understanding of the situation, which is kind of scary in senses too. But yeah, the casting in this has been really good. I'm excited to see a lot of, a lot of other people. I know, uh, it's his name's Barkhad Abdi. Um, he's playing, yes. uh, the, the brother that's setting up the new Somalia mall. Mm-hmm. I think he's done pretty he's well great. so far. Um, that's yeah. the guy from, uh, he was in captain Phillips. That's with what Tom I thought. Hanks. Yeah. yeah. That's what I know him from anyway. I I'm sure he's probably been in other things, but I'm not as familiar. And I really haven't had a chance to look up everyone, um, on IMDb and in, in their roles. So, but yeah, that's what I know him from. And he was really great, um, in that role. So I think that was quite a catch too, uh, yeah. for this, you know, for, for season two of castle rock, they've really got some strong actors. Yeah, it's so far so good. Like I have no complaints with it and uh, you know, really really excited for it so far, for sure. Yeah, super excited. I I also saw Lizzie Kaplan. There was a a short-lived HBO series called Masters of Sex um that went from 2013 to um 2016. That was really great. She was really great. Um, and that as well, I would recommend if you've got HBO, I know that you can kind of go back and watch, um, all of their series. Um, so I would recommend that at least I think it was on HBO. Please don't let me say that and then it not be, but anyway, um, I'm pretty sure. Um, so yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, that was my number five was just starting it off with like really great, strong castings. That's what really stood out to me. I got really excited when they announced Tim Robbins, got really excited when they announced Lizzie Kaplan. That really kind of, you know, gave me those hopes. And so even before the show even premiered, that kind of was already starting it off on a good fit for me. So that's what got me really excited. And that was my number five. I want to hear your number five. So my number five, it's very much kind of a general preview of uh, just questions I have for when this new season starts. And it's gone twofold. The first is ties to season one. What's that going to be, if any? And then mm-hmm. even more so, like ties to past uh, Stephen King work. So, yeah. Annie Wilkes, we know. Misery, uh, same name. 
is this the same character? Uh, it's the same, you know, kind of mentality, same kind of mannerisms, but mm-hmm. you know, is they've this- changed a little. A I mean, because yeah. they're in our time and that, they're kind of just coming off of the time like this is just after the events of Castle Rock season one because yeah. they're they're referencing Shosh, which, yay, Shawshank, we got to see the sign yep, and yep. all that stuff. Um, but they kind of talk about it on the news, like how it had been shut down for a little while and was reopening. So it is kind of different to kind of see. It, it, I feel it is the same character with some differences because she's younger, but it's in like today. Yeah, and that's so, my question. Is like a so twisty. We saw Shawshank. They kind of told us about it. I'm like, okay, so like, is that just a little nod to say, like, hey, this is in the same universe? Is there going to be more kind of tied into it? You know, unfortunately, with IMDb, you kind of see it doesn't look like any other characters are going to be playing multiple parts, uh, which is fine. But um, you know, going back to to Annie Wilkes, like, you know, questions that I have is like, okay, well. We see that she's escaped some insane asylum, or not, I wouldn't say insane asylum, but she's escaped something. She's running from something. Yeah. We definitely know that in that opening, yeah. And she had a box with her baby in it. And so, like, questions I have is like, okay, well, is this, like, the daughter of the Annie that we know from the Misery movie? Is this actually kind of an origin story of the Annie we know? Uh, just lots of questions there that are kind of, you know, what what ties into the other stuff, which I'm hoping we get. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just kind of an overall question. It's like, okay, what are we going to see from season one? What are we going to see from past uh, Stephen King works? Uh, how are they going to tie into this? Yeah, I'm excited because, you know, we we got so much of it in season one um, kind of, you know, tie-ins to the rest of the uh, Stephen King universe, you know, you'd hear mentions of characters or um, of a place or a name of someone or or something or even like because um, what was last season there was oh fudge um, Jack Nicholson's character in The Shining. Why am I drawing a blank on that? Um, oh, if Jack, Jack. His his shit his last name but anyway Torrance Torrance yeah, they, there was, yeah, the, was the girl Torrance, yeah Jackie Torrance that's right so it wasn't exactly Jack Torrance but seemed to be like a relation so you still it wasn't a, an ex, a exact tie into an exact character but kind of a relation to a character so you kind of get all of those things and. We didn't get a whole lot of that in the first episode. I mean, we had talk of Shawshank. Um, you see a reference with Castle Rock. You get to see it on a map. You kind of get to see, oh, look, there's the bridge. There's the river. You know, we got kind of familiar with that in season one. But not a whole lot of tie-ins just yet. I, I, I'm pretty sure because they really enjoy, I think, doing that and having, you know, kind of references and, you know, just kind of making all of us Stephen King fans, you know, kind of squeal at our TV a little bit. I'm sure there will be more to come. But, um, well, yeah, and hopefully more clear on Annie too. Um, yeah, because even in season one, they, they kind of sprinkled that in as Easter eggs, but it really didn't move the plot forward. Right. Uh, so this is really one of the first ones where it feels like a character from this universe has dived into the middle of the story. So is it really mm-hmm. going is to, it, is it just kind of a, hey, this is a, a name you know, or is it really going to kind of go into the mythos of Stephen King? But again, a good question to have in episode one, so I'm really excited for it. Yeah, well, definitely. I think they've left you know, they've put enough out there to get you interested, but not giving you too much enough to keep you watching, you know, um, God, and again, because the first three episodes are available on Hulu right now, kind of like when we're in a position of when we're doing a, a, one of our Netflix shows or something and really difficult not to keep going, yeah. you know, it's like, ah, oh, shit, you know, you know, that next one's available, but like, nope, hit. And man, um, Hulu goes quick sometimes, you know, when, when, when that one is, is, is done and the credits are running, they want to jump to the next one really quickly and I have to hurry up. Oh shit, where's my remote <laughs> and hit the, hit the pause, hit the back button. So it doesn't, um, so I don't see something I shouldn't. Um, so yeah, really, really great. They, I think they did a, a pretty great job of keeping you interested and making you want to keep watching, um, and see what happens next. But, yep. That was um, my number five. I like it. Like the number five, our first number five for Castle Rock season two. I'm excited. I've been waiting for this show to come back for a year um, since the last one ended. Um, my number four. So kind of mentioned it just a little bit, but I wanted to talk about the cold open a little bit. Um, I thought it was really well done and I, it really, really drew me in. We see this young girl, wasn't quite sure who it was. I mean, I could have kind of assumed that it, you know, because I knew this was kind of an Annie Wilkes centric type uh, season. Um, but I, I saw, well, that's not 
Lizzie Kaplan. But then when I got a really good look at her, you know, you could tell it was a very good resemblance of, mm, of a yeah. younger um, Lizzie Kaplan and young younger version of Annie Wilkes. So we've got this young girl, and I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure that's Annie Wilkes and who I'm supposed to be looking at. Uh, she's running through the woods. She's covered in blood. I mean, she's got it on her face. Um, it is Her shirt is just soaked in it. And I'm thinking, okay, so what has she done? Where has she been? She looks scared. Mm-hmm. Um, she's running from something or someone. Um, so that, that, that definitely intrigued me. And then she's carrying this box that says uh, ravening. Is it Ravening? Ravening Angel? I, I suck at pronouncing stuff. I apologize. I'm terrible. Um, so I'm like, okay, so what's in this box um, that, that she's carrying? Because uh, that's intriguing me, the, this, this name on the box and, and what the hell is it and why is she covered in blood? But I'm all in. Um, and like you said, we do later find out there's a baby in the box. And I know that they're saying that this is her daughter, but do you think it's really her biological daughter? It's, uh, it's a good you question. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember if there was ever a mention of Annie Wilkes having a daughter in misery, um, either in the book or the movie. So I know that that's not exactly. You know, I know that they kind of take those characters and they kind of make them their own. So I know that that whether or not there was a daughter mentioned is not dependent on this at all. It can be something that they're just completely kind of, you know, they're just playing with that character. So it's totally fine. But I was like, gosh, did she have a daughter? Could that really be her daughter? Um, Would it be her biological daughter? I did some research back on, because it's been a minute since I've seen Misery. And it sounds like in that movie, she had talked a few times, or I guess she was on trial for either one or multiple times where she had an infant of hers that had died. Okay. Is the way I read it. Um, and again, I was just kind of skimming through and doing research pretty quickly. But it, so it sounds like she's had children, but they never came to age. Which, if you think about the whole misery, that's where it kind of goes back to my number five. Is like, well, does this tie into that at all? Right. You know, could she have had a child hidden away in that movie at some point, or maybe they'd taken it away from her, and that was the the straw that broke the camel's back on her, kind of going mm-hmm. fully insane, and that was with. Uh, you know, this Annie we know being in this, you know, some kind of care. Um, and unfortunately, we see some guy that's kind of following her around. Like, could it be that, you know, we all know how those places kind of can be corrupt and there can be abuse that happens there? Did some kind of abuse happen and that got her pregnant yeah. that kind of fueled a lot of this? Or, you know, was it like kind of sounds like what you're alluding to? Did she just kind of kidnap this kid and, you know, raise it as her own? I, it's a it's a question. I don't I don't have a an, an answer or even an opinion yet on it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure either. But it was certainly a question because I was like, well, why would she? I mean, and maybe she's just trying to make it like hide the fact that she's running away with a baby by putting it in a box and either trying to protect it, protect herself. I'm not sure, but it was just a question that I had. And I I remember. Do you remember for misery that she had like. Because we know she was a nurse, which we do see here in in this uh, season as well, um, as well as in the book and in the movie. Um, and we know that there were people, at least as far as the the book and movie are concerned, um, children and adults even had mysteriously died under her care. Um, so we do know that, but I just did not remember any mention of a daughter. So, And I'm totally fine with it, but I was just like, well, why would you do that? Why would you... Anyway, I'm sure we'll find out, or at least hope hope that we find out more um, as we go along and, and learn more about that story. So we've got we've got that. We do find out there's a baby in there, and then we get we see this um, kind of sequence and time that moves forward. Um, she's working at a hospital. We get to see you know um, her actually working as a nurse, and she seems pretty good at it. Yep. Um, but then she's raiding the pharmacy section, and and then you see her and her daughter uh, traveling from it looks like state to state. And as they move along, you can see how she's constantly you know like okay, it's my last day. I'm gonna go stock up on the drugs, and we're moving on to the next one. I thought they did a really good job in that cold open of kind of you know, bring you into the story kind of like, Oh, what's going on here? And not enough to really aggravate you, but like draw you in and then kind of 
bring you fast forward to today. Like they show you how you like, okay, we can see they're traveling through the States and you can see that they're on the run and they're constantly moving. So I loved all of that. And I don't know about anybody else, but does anyone else have Carly Simon's um, Let the River Run (laughs) song? stuck in their head. I think head. we all kind of felt like the daughter, Joy, at that point. You're just like, oh, I keep singing got it. Your, got your head up against the window like, oh my God, this song again. Um, so yeah, I, I think we're all probably like, okay, we can never not hear that song again and we'll be totally fine. But um, the cold open, I really appreciate I'm a huge fan of cold opens. I mean, X-Files, Breaking Bad, uh, so many shows uh, that just do such a great job at cold opens. I'm a sucker. And if it's a good one, I'm all in. And this one for me was a really great one. So I wanted to kind of talk about it for a moment. And that's my number four. I like it. Um, so my number four, it's kind of this uh, this other story that's going on that we're kind of ha- having Annie really kind of fall into, but it's this family war mm-hmm. that we have going on. So yeah, we know that there there's uh, looks like there's some kind of Somali like refugees or something like that had come into to Jerusalem's lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the guy we see is Tim Robbins. He's decided that I, I don't know. I guess he's decided, but he's raised uh, a couple of brother and sister alongside his two kids. And I really like the dynamic you see here because uh, from what we can tell, there's four kids. There's the two from Somalia, Abdi, and I can't remember what the woman, the his sister's name is Nadia. You know, she's a doctor. She's smart. You know, Pop talks about how it was a you know, not a great investment, but a, a great use of money. They kind of had that nice little back and forth there. Yeah, it was and, nice. Well, and you could tell there was, you know, it takes a lot to be an adoptive parent. And yeah, I was worried that when, because they really did a great job of trickling this in too. So you see uh, Ace, and then you find out that him and Abdi are stepbrothers. And you're mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, like, all right, so we got these two brothers. We find out that Pop's their dad. You're like, okay, like, is Pop going to be this, like, you know, evil character too. And I like that you see that, you know, when he's talking with Nadia, there's, there doesn't seem to be any kind of evilness there. It's just kind of, you know, he saw her potential, helped her become a doctor. And he has kind of love for everybody, I I guess. Like it, it, he, like he understands like, okay, my kids are grown up. They're adults now. Like I can't raise them now. Like they have to take care of their own stuff. Mm -hmm. But then you get the other brother, Chris, that kind of falls into this. So it's kind of like a, full spectrum of different personalities. <laughs> you know, you have Nadia, who, you know, she came back, you know, she's the the golden child, I would say, who left, who tried to get away from all this, but comes back because her dad's sick. You have Ace and Abdi who are butting heads for money. And you have Chris, who's kind of just a nice guy. Like the, the one thing I really enjoyed is when he was talking to Annie, Chris was, he mm-hmm. called her, uh, Mrs. I, or called her by her name, Mrs. And he was very polite, very nice to her. And then when Ace saw her, he just called her 19, which was their building or their apartment. And so you just see like there's like – it's kind of like when you talk about, um, you know, the Targaryens. It's like a flip of the coin. It just depends on what you get. And it really feels like in this family that's kind of the case. Yeah, it's quite a mix. Yeah, I I do really – it's it's an interesting tie to this because it's, you know, it's Annie coming into this and she's really falling – almost accidentally into this family war, right? Like she, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but she kills Ace, I think, (laughs) you know, with the right to, because that was creepy. And she inadvertently, you know, kind of sets this whole thing off that we'll find out probably in episode two. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about the family war that we see kind of going on? I like that. I like that you brought that up because that's actually uh, my number three is Pop Merrill, at least specifically, but also just how it kind of, you know, an extension of him, this family that I'm kind of interested how it came about. I I feel like I'm a little bit confused. I feel like I need to read just a little bit more of the specifics of 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 John um, Ace Merrill and and Chris. I my understanding is I know that well. I mean, Pop is like I feel like his nickname. They call him Pop because, well, he's a gangster and all gangsters got to have like a nickname, <laughs> right? So I feel like that's the nickname and he's not really their father, like biological. I thought I read that they were his nephews that he kind of adopted and took okay. on. And then he ad- did adopt um, the the two the two others, um, Nadia and, and Abdi. 
um, is my understanding. Now, I, I don't know that that's 100% accurate, but I swear whenever I was reading one of the articles in like doing news or something that that's what I read. I need mm. to verify that. If anybody knows for sure, let me know, but I'll try to verify that. Um, so I, I'm not 100% sure uh, that I know that they're that they're blood related, but clearly there's a lot, like you said, a big dynamic going on. Ace Merrill um, if everyone remembers his character, the bully um, played by Kiefer Sutherland in Stand By Me. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's Ace Merrill. Um, now, again, how close, you know, just like we were talking about Annie Wilkes, how close is her character to what, what we see in the book or um, uh, from the movie? Um, so I don't know how much is really drawn from, you know, is that tr- really Ace Merrill, you know, after you know, all of this after Stand By Me, but he was a bully in Stand By Me. He is clearly still a bully here. So they they have at least um, retained those um, not so nice attributes uh, and carried those over into this show for sure. Um, So I think it is kind of interesting. I'm curious though, the relationship between Abdi and Pop, because he's talking to Nadia and he's like, talk to your brother, you know, talk to your brother. He's, it's it's funny to kind of see Pop Merrill. It's like he's he's kind of gruff. He's no nonsense. Like he tells the cops, like, "Hey, I don't want to see any more damn tickets on my car," you know. Yeah. Um, and he's 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 no nonsense. But when it comes to his family, and maybe it's because he's sick, um, he's really kind of wanting everyone to kind of come together. But I thought, well, you know, he's talking to Nadia, like, "Well, talk to your brother. Talk to your brother." And um, I'm curious. I'm like, well, why doesn't he talk to him? You know, do, are they, do they not have a relationship or, you know, what's going on with them too? Um, I haven't seen them interact yet. So I'm, I'm curious about that, but I do find this side story, um, with, you know, what's kind of happening in the town, you know, to be interesting. And I'm curious to learn more about the family. Of course, I guess we won't be learning a whole lot more about, um, Ace, but yeah. <laughs> More to well, come on him, it, I'm sure. <laughs> and again, IMDb shows he's in quite a few episodes, so he might at least have something to do in there. Spoiler alert! <laughs> <laughs> well, you said that was your number three? Yeah, that was my number three. What? What's yours? Uh, so my number three, it's not really, it's a drug addiction, but I really like the, they, they really tease that, which is a very, you know, hot topic thing, you know, oxycodones and, you know, those mm-hmm. type of things is very much, you know, the opioid crisis is very much in our, you know, For news sure. feeds today. Yeah. And that was the first thing that was asked when she got caught because she tried to play it off because I'm sure she's been caught numerous times, but she did a great job of just kind of coming forward and being like, these are the things I need because I figured out how to control my, you know, how to control my issue. And, but I can't let anybody know because then I can't be, you know, a nurse anymore. And the doctor kind of, you know, going against it helps her out, but it really ties to a conversation to me that happened earlier when she was talking to uh, Chris, when she's looking over the map and he asked her, he says, Hey, when you figure out how to get out castle rock, let me know. And we've talked about how Castle Rock basically traps people. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and, Good luck. You know, in this situation, the doctor says, hey, as long as you're here, I'll help you out. And so she has just figured out not a free ride, but a way to, you know, it's a very low key, very out of the way. Mm-hmm. And now she has a way to not have to hide the fact that she needs these drugs. She's going to be able to get them. And so Castle Rock, the place that when you get to, you can't get away from, has trapped another person. Sure has. Uh, you know, it's I really like that they, they, they put that back to back because, you know, if she was able to leave with those drugs, ideally she'd be gone. Right. You know, she'd work another couple of weeks, his car was fixed, and she could go on her way. But now that she has some access to the things she needs, she's able to kind of just stick it out a little bit longer and see what happens. But uh, I really like the play on that for sure. I do too. And I, yeah, it, it certainly changed things for her that she didn't have to. Cause you know, if you're, if you're stealing drugs out of the pharmacy, um, it's only a matter of time before you're going to get caught doing that. And especially like how they are cracking down on, you know, um, keeping those things locked up. Um, like they said, for, you know, because they're getting stolen. And even if you don't do them, you can be stealing them and selling them. Um, So 
now that she doesn't have to risk stealing them and then, you know, skipping town because she's stealing them, she's got a little bit more of a reason to, to, to hang on. And I really enjoyed that interaction. And I was, I really loved that, you know, Nadia was, you know, it's like she could kind of see that truth. You know, it really surprised me, I think, how honest Annie was willing to be, you know, in that moment. And you could, and that was just so great about Lizzie Kaplan's performance. Like I said, she really just won me over, um, even just in this first episode, you know, and how honest and vulnerable she allowed herself to be in that moment when she's like, you know, I'm not a, 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 you know, I'm not after the opioids. I'm not doing any oxy. I just, I need, I need these drugs. I have these things in my head. And if I get, if I tell, then the state board finds out. Um, and then I don't have a license. I can't be a nurse. I can't support myself, can't support my daughter. Um, and you know, that's pretty true. Um, in a lot of states, if if you are struggling with anything other than like a mild depression or mild anxiety, you have anything that goes on your chart that shows that, um, you know, that you, you have more of a mental health illness and you have to take something like these antipsychotics or something. Um, and I, like I said, it's probably different in different states, but I think in a lot of states, you know, um, you're not allowed to work um, like that. They don't allow that. I could be totally wrong, but I do know that there are a few states like that. Um, so I really like that. I like that she was honest. She's like, look, I've got this figured out. I just need the drugs so I can maintain my life. And I like how she was actually trying to stay on the drugs and maintain them. Like she yeah. knew she was aware. I have this problem. And we could see some of that, right? We saw some of these strange visions that she was having. There was a strange man. Um, she could hear whispering and, you know, so she acknowledges she has a problem. And I think that's something that you don't always see, you know, people who, um, you know, when they have a mental illness and sometimes and they come off of their drugs and they think that they really don't need them anymore. And it's kind of tough to get them back on it a little bit, you know, um, people yeah, that, struggle with that. That's what I like too, about the, the way they kind of showed it too, because we saw her hallucinations with that guy who was really like messed up looking coming after her. when it was raining, when the lights are out, it sounded like the ticking of a key, like a, not a keyboard, but a typewriter. And then they had the mm-hmm. ding of a typewriter cons- you know, pretty consistently, which was really it's good. Like Paul Sheldon kind of call back. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of neat. Yeah. So I really like that. Yeah. And the wheelchair. Yeah. So I really, really liked it. And again, that that's the question is like, okay, is she the one that's done the things that we see I've seen before? Or is this, like somehow she's tied to the original Annie. Like I, I really hope that it doesn't leave us that. And this is kind of like foreshadowing into the future of the season, but I hope they don't leave us like, cause with the last one we had the boy, you know, Skarsgård, the kid. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, is it this, is it this, is it this? Like, who is this? And at the end, you still don't know, you know, yeah. you can have your guesses, but like, I hope at the end of this, we're not like, well, you know, was it Annie or is it a different Annie? Or like, where's this fall in the lineage? Like, I hope they give us some answers but again, if they if the past episode shows anything, they probably won't. I was going to say, I don't know. You might be disappointed. I know lots of folks were not thrilled with uh, season two and how it ended and um, where they kind of left things. And if, if they carry that on, who knows? Um, but but I did like that moment. Um, I think I think that they played it really well. I, I really like Nadia's character. Um, and I'm interested to see what happens next, for sure. I like that. That was a really great number three. Yep. Um, well, my number two, I want to take a little bit of a deeper dive into Annie Wilkes. I love that character. It, people will ask me, because lots of folks know I'm a big Stephen King fan, so they'll say, well, what's your favorite book? What's your favorite movie? And I always kind of go back and forth, because it kind of depends on the day that you ask me. It might change <laughs> up a little bit. Is it Shawshank, or is it Misery? Um, of my favorite two. And there's so many great ones, but those two are always in like my top, you know, one, two, three, you know, Stephen King adaptations. Um, so I really, really love the character. And in Misery, in the movie, we see her from Paul Sheldon's perspective. But here in Castle Rock season two, we're getting a little bit more to her. It's not just one-sided view that we're getting. I like the backstory that we're getting. Um and I think we're getting to see a little bit more human elements to her than what we got to see before. We got to see what's happened to her and who she is. And I feel she's, you know, kind of like and I mentioned in that scene when, when um, Dr. H confronts her in the pharmacy, she's becoming a sympathetic 
character. I mean, I felt bad for her, you know, um, and I felt bad for her character in the cold open. I thought, oh my gosh, she's really, I mean, clearly she must have done something bad. We find out when she Googles herself that she's wanted for um, murder, yeah. um, apparently. So it's like, okay, well, what happened there? Is she, did she really do it? Is she really guilty? I'm sure there's lots of, you know, we don't know yet. Um, but I feel like that, that she became more human and sympathetic to me. And what I really love about Annie Wilkes as a character is, is how unpredictable she is. Um, she teeters between being very kind and nice and even playful and kind of childlike, kind of silly, right? Um, but then also she can switch really quickly to this really aggressive, manic type, you know, uh, behavior. And you're like, oh, shit. Um, so it's it's hard. That's, to me, what makes her a scary type character in the Stephen King uh, universe is she, you just don't know what the hell that you're going to get. Like you said, that, that scene with her daughter, when she really starts to, you know, kind of flip out and her daughter's like, Oh my gosh, mom, are you okay? Is this an emergency? And she runs off into the other room. I thought, yeah, that's where, you know, you see her, she's in this nice moment and, you know, being kind of, you know, just nice and kind and playful. Cause we saw that also with her daughter, they're eating ice cream in the car, you know, and they're road tripping and they're singing and having these nice moments. And then she, Ah, getting all crazy and aggressive and that's what I love about this character so I'm really excited to see more of that moving forward um, so what are your do you have any thoughts about about what we're the different kind of Annie that we're kind of seeing no I think it's I mean like her daughter when you said like when she's like oh my god this is an emergency it's it's a situation that, like she's she understands that there's something you know just mentally not quite there for her that she's got to kind of monitor and help out yeah, it was almost like you know a situation where she's like, okay, I'm being scolded by mom. Okay, like okay, I'm I did something wrong, and then it kind of clicked for her. She's like, wait a minute, no, mom's having one of her episodes. Like I need, like, and that's when she kind of stands up and she becomes the authority figure. Like, oh my god, mom, what's going on? Yeah. Now, when she went to the bedroom and put on that book on tape, was it one of Paul's books that she was listening yeah. to? Uh, yep. Okay, because it talked <laughs> about like the bulge's pants. I was like, oh my god, it sounds like a romance novel. <laughs> Yeah, it was, I'm pretty sure, Paul Sheldon book, if not Misery itself, that she <laughs> was listening to. But yeah, and this kind of ties in my number two a little bit where you kind of see that switch. And mm-hmm. I titled this Ice Cream, You Don't Scream, I Only Scream <laughs> for Ice Cream. So uh, I watched uh, basically up to this scene. I had to stop it to go do some stuff and come back to it. And when I came back to it, I'm like, okay, she's got ice cream. Like, oh, okay, like, you know, Ace is there. Like, he's creepy. Like, okay, what's he going to do? And out of nowhere, she shoves that thing down his throat and just starts knocking the crap out of him. I don't remember any scene in in last season that felt as gruesome as this one. And I don't know. Like, I have fears in life. Like, being eaten by a shark is, like, my number one fear in life. I think dying by an ice cream scoop in the mouth may be number one now because that was a very gruesome uh, TV death scene that I don't know if I've ever seen because it was very slow. It was very, like, it didn't cut away. It didn't leave anything to the imagination. It was like, no, she did this. And he's basically slowly choking on a vanilla-flavored ice cream scoop. And... She didn't seem to really care. <clears throat> I th- I think you could kind of see, and this is my number one um, is is the death. So we can just, I'll just talk about it. But she seemed pretty horrified at what she'd done. She didn't seem too comfortable with murder in a way. In that, at least in the beginning, and then it was like she was able to make a switch in her brain. And she was kind of like, okay, now I'm able to displace myself. And I think that we saw that with when Kathy Bates played um, her as well in misery. Cause you could kind of see, you know, how she, she, she would be this person and she didn't want to do the things that she did. But then all of a sudden she was able to just kind of like, okay, I have to do this. And you would just kind of see this, you know, change in her face and in her mood. And I think that we got to see that a little bit here. That's why Lizzie Kaplan is just so amazing at capturing, I feel, the the essence um, of Annie. So, um, 
So I don't know. I don't think she liked doing what she did, but it, but then she was kind of like, okay, I did it. Let's take care of it. Yeah, I didn't get like that she enjoyed it, but it was more of kind of like, okay, that that happened. And now basically more like she's done something like that before. Mm-hmm. Like it's not the first time she's taking care of a dirty bird for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and taking that body out too. And it was it was very well like thought out too because I don't know if she knows yet. I feel like she has to that uh, Ace and uh, the, the Somalian mall are like tied together. And I'm one of those people that, uh, you know, it's, you know, where's the best place to hide a body? Well, they're about to pour a ton of concrete somewhere. So probably there, like, that's probably a good place. And she has that in her mind. Mm-hmm. And that's something that like, I don't think you would just like be like, oh, light bulb, let's do this. Like, I feel like she's had to have done something similar to that before. Yeah. I think that's really possible that she's been in, put in some type of situation where she's had to protect herself. Um, but I feel like that was it was again a scene that I don't remember anything in last season that felt that gruesome. I, I, maybe if I went back and watched it, I would see it. But that was one when it happened. I was like, "Oh, okay," and then it just kept on for like three, four minutes, and you're like, "Oh, all right, like that that's that happened." All right, it it did that. That was an interesting scene. I saw some interesting things, you know, people would say online um, that they didn't really dig it. That kind of took them out of it a little bit. But I thought, well, I don't know. You could, I could, I can kind of see that. I don't know. I've never heard of anyone being choked out uh, by an ice cream scoop before. Um, But I can see how, how that could be done. And man, just that scene just played out so well. It was brutal though like you said just just it was uh uh very vivid and very brutal uh when he's down on the on the ground and she just Mm. slams her hand just time after time in that on that scoop and i mean look i know she's protecting herself and you know he was definitely out of line and uh she was definitely well when he's found out my secret you know he knows her real name which i found interesting how did he find out her name i wonder um i don't know he knew that the vin number to her car and her license plate didn't match i don't know if he's got some sort of records of like if the car did belong to her and her real name or something yeah and he was able to run it on vin i don't know but if he's written out a place like that, I'm sure that's something he would check because he does seem like the kind of guy that'd be like, oh, I know I told you it was 200 a month, but I have this information on you. It's now 400 a month or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, so even that scene, like when, and then when she goes to pull it out and she can't, she just like, you know, double knees to the stomach to get the air to push it out was <sighs> just kind of like, like just one of those things that's again, I'm like, just, uh, like I know your nursing degree probably came in at that point because I wouldn't think to do that, but yeah, it's it, it, oh man, just this is like the female Joker, I guess is the best way to say it. <laughs> well, it was really interesting. Someone her size too can because she's a, a small Lizzie Kaplan's a small person um, was able to you know to do that, but um, that was an interesting death scene and quite a way to get things started for sure. Um, so, but yeah. yeah, that that stuck with me. <laughs> My number two, ice cream. You don't scream. I scream for ice cream. That's that's great. Well, that was my number one. What um, was your? And we already did your number two. Yeah. Okay. My number two is Annie. Uh. Yeah. Well, my number one. Uh. I is basically just it's what's in the box, and we found that out in this episode. So, I'm really glad that we weren't kind of strung along for a while because the cold open showed you when she gets to the edge of this water, she sits the box down and it moves. And we, you know, last season we had a lot of little innuendos on things. Like we had those creepy kids holding that weird court that we never found out what the hell that was about. You know, we had that family that was having like a party that, you know, freaked out. We don't know what that was about. So I'm really glad we at least got closure on this pretty quick. It's like, oh my God, there's something in the box. What is it? Because it's Stephen King, you know, it could be an alien. It could be a portal to another dimension. It could be a little gremlin type thing. But we find out <laughs> right away, no, it's 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 a baby. It's joy. And so getting to see that just was really, I, I think, good to be like, okay, that mystery is somewhat solved. Now, it, 
it brings up other mysteries, right? Like, you know, is that Joy? Is it her baby? You know, why was it in a box? Like, there's lots of questions from that, but at least we know what was there. Yeah. So I'm really glad that, that we got that closure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it Before she opened the box and we see that it was a baby and that box twitched um, and then cut away, I was like, oh, what the fudge are we going to see in that box? Um, that that kind of freaked me out. Um, some really great mysteries to come, I think. You know, when, when she goes to, to bury Ace and this big hole opens up underneath the, you know, where they're getting ready to pour this foundation in this new, um, uh, new community building that they're going to build for this, you know, the Somali culture and the the people who are, you know, have their businesses and stuff. Um, and she ends up falling down there. Um, I thought that was really cool. I'm I'm curious to see where, where that's going to go. And I'm curious if they're going to, because we know, um, Jerusalem's lot, Salem's lot, as it was in Stephen King's universe, had a lot to do with vampires mm-hmm. and vi- vampire lore. But they talked a lot in this se- um, episode about witches. So I'm like, okay, so are they going to stick to the the original story of of Jerusalem's lot, or are we going to talk more about witches? Um, I'm totally fine with whatever. Um, I like both. Um, so I'm totally fine with whichever one they decide to do. But I. I thought that was really um, a, a cool way to send it off to leave you, leave you wanting more. A good cliffhanger, but a very good satisfactory episode where we we had a great introduction, had a great story to follow, and a great way to start off the season so far. Yeah, I think it left. It's one of the things I like about this. There's lots of interpretations, great for conversation, and it definitely leads you to want to watch the next episodes. So definitely really excited for it and. Yeah, I'm I'm on top. Like I'm excited. Witches, vampires, both, werewolves, throw whatever you want in there. Cause that's kind of what Castle Rock did at some point. Like it started getting really weird for a while. So yeah, it did. It did. But did you have any notes for this episode? Well, some notes. Um, as I always enjoyed during season one of Castle Rock when we were doing that last year, I'm also going to try to throw in as I either discover them myself um, or find them online, and that's Easter eggs. Yeah, I um, love it for this one. Oh, I know. They're so good. And so a couple of these I I, I do I did have on my own list, but I'm just going to – I compiled it as to what I found online. So um, the first one, when Annie Wilkes is introduced, she's decorating her nurse's uniform with pigs. In the novel Misery, Annie has a pet pig that she names after her favorite character, and a statue version of said pig plays a role in her ultimate death. So – that was super cool. So yeah, she had a pig named Misery as well. Oh, so it was cool. fun to see the pig socks, yeah. the little pig um, thing holding her badge. She had pig and earrings. The pig earrings. So that was a, a nice little callback. So that was fun. Um, some of these are not quite Easter eggs, just callbacks. So the next one that, that I have is the fact that Annie's daughter is named Joy. The emotional opposite of Misery is also oh, a yeah. callback to the book. So that's kind of fun. Annie and Joy are searching for The Laughing Place, which is a concept taken from Joel Chandler Harris's Uncle Remus tales that Annie references in Misery. Annie's car crashes in Castle Rock, and Misery begins with a car crash, too. Um, Ace calls Annie 19 after her cabin number, and 19 is a significant number in the King canon. The Merrill family owns the junk shop Emporium Galorium, a key location in Needful Things that also shows up in Pet Cemetery and a novella called The Sun Dog. I remember that, The Sun Dog. That was a really great um, novella. You guys should read that if you haven't. Um, last one that I have, Joy tells her mom that she feels very cabin fevery after being cooped up in Stargazer Lodge. The psychological effects of cabin fever is a major theme of The Shining as well as Misery. That's all that I have so far. That's just from um, episode one. I'm sure there's going to be more to come, um, but I try not to dig too deep because man, you start especially since the first three episodes yeah. were released. Like there, there, some articles are combining all three episodes, so I have to be really careful um, in, in what I read because I started to read something I thought that was episode one, and it was actually episode two stuff, and I was like, uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> alert, alert, go back. 
Yeah, it's kind of like when we were finding the hidden ghost in uh, the haunting one. <laughs> yeah, Sonic at Hill House. <laughs> yep, like, oh, wait a minute. That was um, the next episode's hidden ghost, <laughs> not this one. Sorry. They, they sometimes they're not so clear about that. But anyway, so that was all the notes that I have. Did you have anything? Uh, just a couple notes. I mean, I think the, the locust is very interesting because that's kind of a mm-hmm. very much a, you know, release and death kind of question. Um, like into the world kind of yeah, thing. You see those yeah. come in and you're like, uh-oh. Uh, when Pop was talking about whatever he was smoking was better than his chemo, uh, I thought that was kind of good. Uh, let's see what else mm-hmm. do I have. Um, it, we haven't really talked about it, but when she was breaking in for the key, uh, mm-hmm. it was definitely kind of a a situation that she had a lot of luck on her side because – one, oh, yeah. like, I can't even find Tiffany's keys. Like, how am I going to go to somebody else's house and find their key? No kidding. Uh, and, you know, when the brother comes back, he's walking around with no lights on. Uh, and then the other brother decides to try to burn their house down, which seemed like, you know, like things went from, you know, family that's, feud to, you know, Hatfield McCoy's really quickly. Say, that's an extreme a sibling rivalry situation. Like I'm going to burn your house down. And it wasn't even, I mean, that's Nadia's house. He's just, he's just kind of guesting there. You know, he's just kind of hanging out at a sister's place. And it's like, well, are you like hateful towards your sister too? Like, do you want to burn her house down? seems like he's just hateful towards both of them because he's just, he sent, he seems really racist and he's a bully and he's just one of those type of people. Um, doesn't seem very welcoming, um, to have them in the family at all. But I'm like, why are you trying to burn her house down? You know, what does she do? Anyway. And the last thing I have is uh, the, co- the I guess it's more of the speech she was giving about searchers and settlers. You know, yeah. it was, it was a really good scene. Uh, I, you know, and I it don't was. have it all word for word, but you know, like her, her dad was a searcher. Her mom was a settler and she's kind of stuck in between both. Uh, so really curious how much that'll play into her if it's just kind of a one-off thing, but I really like that concept. I liked that. And um, the, her little crazy speech, to joy when joy was like, I am really concerned about you. You haven't had your meds. Um, I think there was some really great writing in this. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I I really enjoyed the dialogue. Um, that's great. I love those notes and I'm so excited to go watch the second episode. Um, I do have just one item for the news. This is from the Hollywood Reporter. Um, it's an inter- uh, just a few questions that they had with an interview with Lizzie Kaplan. So the first question that they have is, how did you get into Annie's skin coming up with the physicality? Uh, so she says, I didn't know exactly what was going to look like at first and what it needed to feel like. But in misery... Annie's physicality is described in many, many different ways. Usually it's that she's a mountain of a woman. She's big. She's imposing. I'm not tall. I'm not particularly imposing in any way. So it was finding something that felt very unlike how I naturally move. I thought that was really important. I realize now how much I could have relied on my own tricks or I could have just made this baby believable in a Lizzie kind of way. And I think a lot of actors sort of go through that. You know, it's easy and comfortable to do the things that you're easy and comfortable doing. This was nothing like anything that I had done before and it's nothing like how I am in person. So I wanted everything to feel different. To get into her, I had to feel different because I couldn't make myself taller or appear stronger in any way. I wanted to at least be unsettling. I hope that it's unsettling enough to be so went ominous because she walks like a fucking weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) Then they ask her, well, did you practice the walk? She said, I tried a few different options. I don't remember why the not swinging my arms thing became an important element, but I remember that happening first. I don't know if there were shades of that in the film. I kind of don't remember. I'm sure studying Kathy Bates was part of it, but I can't say for sure. I watched so many clips of the movie and she has this lumbering walk. I think that was probably the main thing I pulled from it. Wasn't that great? Didn't yeah, you get was, that like right yeah. away? Her, her walk and I, I thought she was fantastic um, doing that. Um, then they ask, they were talking about just prior to this question, cause I didn't include all the questions. It would just be too long, but there was, um, uh, they're talking about the scene where they're singing, um, in the car. 
um, over and over and over again. So they asked, they said, the scene sets up the central dynamic for Annie and her daughter, Joy, the two of them against the world on their way to the laughing place. But that's not a dynamic present in Misery where she's obsessed with her favorite author. What can you say about where we're going? Uh, She says, Annie Wilkes needs to love one thing, and it's an all-consuming, obsessive love. Ultimately, the final stop is her love for Paul Sheldon. This is who Annie is. She knows how to love one thing with everything she's got at the expense of all other things. It helps me see the humanity in Annie because her driving motivation is actually a pure love for her daughter. It's not some, I'm a creepy monster weirdo, if she wants to protect her daughter. Um, and she's got very good reason for wanting to protect her daughter. And it's what drives and motivates literally every, every single thing that she does on Castle Rock. I like that. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I, I think that's true. You can definitely see the obsessiveness that she has in Misery. In the movie, we got to see that it was Paul Sheldon. She's obsessed with this character, uh, Misery, with the books. Paul Sheldon's her favorite author. So far in Castle Rock, she's got this obsessive, you know, all-consuming love for her daughter and protecting her. Um, and and that's her motivation. So I, th- I feel that that's kind of important for us to know. So I thought that was interesting. So that's all that I have. I had to be re- just really careful um, about what I got into um, this week with there being episodes two and three out as well. So anyway... Next part is our listener feedback. One of my favorite parts. Really excited to hear what folks are thinking about um, this the season so far. Do you want to take that first one? Yep. My first one comes from Doug Fix. So, so excited to start this. Happy to be back in Castle Rock. We can all take the ropes off our necks and don't have to drive off a cliff now. Great <laughs> opening. Lizzie Kay was a perfect casting choice and has Kathy Bates' walk, talk, and voice cadence nailed. Mm-hmm. I love the quick shots of the pig scrubs, earrings, and socks. The opening car crash reminded me of the car wreck in Misery. Welcome to Salem's Lot. This town sucks. <laughs> I think that the insects we see are locusts, which have a biblical symbolism that man, like nature, has a bad side, and that side at any time may strike out and bring destruction to us all. Mm-hmm. So, do you think Annie could have gotten a job at Scoops <laughs> <laughs> She knows uh, how to handle the scoop. Yeah, she does. <laughs> Uh, I think that Steve the D would have loved her scoop game. As of episode one, the Dirty Bird tally is three. Can't wait to move forward with you guys. The lithium can wait for now. Oh, that's awesome. (coughs) We're glad to have you, Doug. Um, Next one we have is from Josh Mall. He says, so happy this show is back. I can't wait to get off work and go watch these new episodes. Same. Maureen Fievel says, amazing episode. Only thing I can say is spoiler dot dot ice cream scoop plus Heimlich like removal was awesome. Yep. I can <coughs> honestly say I've never seen that before. Uh, next one we have is from Des Cones. He says, uh, Lizzie Kaplan is doing an amazing job as Annie Wilkes. She sounds just like a young Kathy Bates, but is still making the part her own. I agree. Lindsay Slitch says, I'm only five minutes in, but wow, am I impressed with Lizzie Chaplin's imitation of Kathy Bates' walk, mannerism, and sound of her voice. She is spot on. Fantastic acting. I do hope the typewriter murder mystery thing doesn't drag out the entire season. I already really want to know what's going on. Misery is one I read about a million years ago, so I don't remember much of anything. Is Annie's backstory covered in the book? Death by Ice Cream Scoop? Wow. And that ending. This is going to be a hard one to do week by week. So glad it's back. Yep. I bet most everyone who's listening to us has probably already watched um, the second and third episodes, I'm sure. But yep. then you're stuck with us, yeah, guys. You then are you're stuck, stuck with us then. Week by week. And that's out of our control. <laughs> um, so, yeah. This is what it's like to be Sean and Rima when we're doing... <laughs> Netflix Stranger Things and Haunting of Hill House. We love you guys. I don't mean to mock you guys. Um, You can feel our pain and we feel yours. Um, Next one we have is from Sally Lynch Mock. She says, I don't think I will ever look at ice cream scoops the same way again. (laughs) Leslie Williams Bosnick felt the first episode was very strong. I agree. I totally agree with that one. I Yeah, I'm so excited. I Like I said, I've just... Feeling really good about this one. So anyway, we also have this week a voicemail from our good friend, Steve Brown. It'll be blood on Christmas. <laughs> hey, Sean, mm-hmm. and it's Steve, and uh, this is for 
Castle Rock, uh, Season 2, Episode 1. And uh, just a few quick thoughts. I've only got to watch the episode once, so uh, just a, a, about five, four or five real quick things. Uh, love, absolutely love Lizzie Kaplan. You know, I thought Winona Ryder played manic and crazy well, but Lizzie Kaplan has taken it to a whole new level. Um, so mm-hmm. really, really loving what she's doing here. And uh, <laughs> that joy, that scamp, you know, for a kid who's not supposed to leave the house, she really leaves the house a lot. Um, and absolutely love Tim Robbins. And it, it looks like uh, obviously there's something he's hiding, but uh, uh, we'll find out through the course of the the series, I'm sure, the show this season. Um, I want to make a prediction. The typewriter at the beginning that we heard, I wonder if this whole season is going to be the story that Jackie, was her name Jackie Torrance? The, the, supposed to be the mm-hmm. callback to the shining author of Jack Torrance from season one. Do you think, uh, or at least that's kind of my prediction is that at the end of this season, we're going to find out that this is all the story that she's writing when she's at the Overlook mm. Hotel. And then, uh, maybe season three will give us the Overlook Hotel that we kind of got teased mm. of oh, interesting. season one. So that's my uh, my prediction. And then just my final thought was, gosh, I really wanted to go to the next episode. And I probably will this weekend watch the second uh, episode <laughs> at least because i got to see how Annie gets out of this. Uh, but that was some straight up American Ultra uh, killing she did with that uh, ice cream scooper. I was uh, thoroughly impressed. Uh, talk to you later. Ah, thanks, Steve. And that was great. Yeah, you heard it here first. If Steve, Steve called it, man, yep. if that's what happened, that's a good call. I like that. Yeah, and I, just, I do too. We mentioned it too for next uh, episode too. So with this, like last year, what we did, we're not going to be making you wait week to week uh, as much. Uh, we'll try to get caught up pretty quickly, but yeah, we'll probably try to release two episodes <clears throat> next week, two episodes the week after, and then we'll be releasing on Fridays right along with you guys on brand new episodes. So yeah, uh, this is one of those that works out pretty well, which seems like this might be the theme of a lot more streaming services now where they're going to release more week to week. So they are Rima and I are already prepared for this. That's right. We got the shit down, Um, (laughs) but we'll definitely, you know, keep you guys updated when, you know, we're going to be recording the next one. I will post as soon as we know. So that way you, you guys can get your feedback in and I want your feedback. So be watching, um, our, our Facebook page, our Twitter feed, you know, for, for those announcements. Um, so that way you guys can email us, you know, your, your voicemails, or if you want to send an email or a voice message, or if you want to leave us feedback on, Um, our Facebook page. I will post as soon as we know that we're going to be uh, recording so you guys can um, get that in because I love you guys have such great theories. And, you know, just like Steve had this, you know, really great prediction that, you know, we'll we'll be watching for. Um, I want to hear from you guys because I feel like there's so many different things, you know, that you can get out of the show and so many different interpretations. And I love hearing what you guys think. um, Because, um, I have fun with it too. I'm a little bit like a listener on, on the other end hearing you guys. So, um, thank you everyone who wrote in this, um, this week. Um, we appreciate hearing from you guys. I hope you guys are having fun with it. We're having fun with it. I can't wait to see where we go from here. Yeah. Thanks everybody. And if you missed episode one, don't, feel like you can't send in your feedback for episode one still send it in and we'll read it for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks Sean for saying that. Um, totally failed to mention that. Cause I think we've had a couple folks who, you know, we've had people on vacation and, you know, trying to do things and they're like, I'm just trying to get caught up in life, you know, and everything else. So if you are a little bit behind and you're kind of jumping in and, you know, uh, kind of late, go ahead and leave your feedback. If you're just now getting around to episode one and you're a little bit behind, we'll read it. So just leave it on our latest post. Um, so I'll see it, bring it to my attention. Um, so I'll know. Um, and then we'll totally include it because I, I feel like it's still really valuable. It's all tied together. So please definitely, um, include all your feedback on any, just not the future episodes. If you've already watched episodes two and three, don't tell us until we're ready to hear that. But other than that, um, we're ready to hear that stuff. We're really excited to hear from you guys. So thank you, everyone that's contributed. Yeah. And if you have any feedback for Carnival Row, please just keep it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> 
we're not going there, Sean. We're not. We, we don't. We don't look in the past. We we just keep moving forward. We're just going to keep moving forward. Well, it's on, okay. On that note, great segue. So early next week, I'm thinking maybe Wednesday we'll get this out, but we'll be covering the second episode of Castle Rock from season two, titled "New Jerusalem." So the description mm. is the Merrill's search for answers. Hmm. Searching for answers in um, a dead body. Searching for answers, maybe. Where's my brother? With a missing ice cream scoop. Do you think she? I, I, did I forget? Did she keep that ice cream scoop? Did she I think just she like did. clean that yeah, up? Yeah, it was a metal it right one. Those things are expensive. Oh well, yeah, that's true. Oh, like, wash it off. Be good. Yeah. <laughs> Throw it through the, the dishwasher a couple times. Little little bit of disinfectant. It's good to go. <laughs> no no worries. Um, well, we're really excited for you to travel to Salem's lot with us. And while visiting, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange Teacast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Stranger Teacast. You can check us on Instagram at Strange underscore Indeed underscore pod. You can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com, and you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed and all the other great Podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcast. Lots of great things happening on Podcastica. I was just on The Walking Dead cast with Jason um, for the latest episode of The Walking Dead titled Ghosts. That was a lot of fun. Really great episode. Sean... I, I, got, just, I know you're not digging it. I got through episode one, was kind of meh, um, like a uh, quarter of the way through episode two. And I like episode two so far. It's I, I always yeah. like when they go in the past. Good. That's kind of what they do in episode two. So I kind of, I dug that one. Well, episode three was really, I mean, it's been, for me, so, the first three episodes have been really great, but episode <laughs> three was really, really great. So, <laughs> so the way I read online, because I was kind of poking through, was somebody said, oh, well, the first part of uh, episode three was really good, but the second half was just a Saved by the Bell episode. That's what I heard somebody say, but you know what? I didn't watch Saved by the Bell, so I didn't get the reference, and it's oh. okay. You can tell me offline, because I don't want to spoil anything for anyone in case they haven't watched the episode yet, but... I really enjoyed um, episode three, and it wasn't because I got to um, guest on the Walking Dead cast. Um, I thought it was a really strong episode with some really great writing. Um, but yeah, I heard that too. I don't, I don't get it. I'm not sure I went to. I just, I didn't dig Saved by the Bell. I thought it was dumb. Anyway, um, well, speaking of great podcasts, make sure to check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. What's in your wheelhouse this week? Oh, Rima, this is a traditional episode that we've been doing since we started. It is our Broloween episode. Yay! And we have on our Language of Bromance residential expert, Jason. Not the Jason from Walking Dead, but <laughs> Jason, who is going to be talking cryptid. So Sasquatch, Loch Ness Monster. All those kind of fun little creepy creatures that like we think nice. might be real. We're not sure. And well, they're real. Oh, I believe. Oh, real. yeah. Bigfoot's I, we should have had you on. Yeah. Be, I don't know totally if you would have told your story, but that you've oh. never even told me. No, it's too scary. Uh-uh. Side note to that though, I think during this episode we discover some we've discovered the thing that I saw when I was nineteen driving on the highway really yeah we just kind of got there organically and we were like wait a minute was was it like this and i'm like oh yes so Dude, if you want to figure out what that is check out this episode i'm stoked i'm gonna i want to hear all about that that's awesome looking forward to that one all right well that's our show episode 106 let the river run until next time i'm rima and i'm sean and Leslie Williams-Bosnack is strange indeed.